Nation. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited. He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette sports. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so Here. Where's Purdue at? The Big Ten, are they in trouble? Brian's going to help us walk through all this stuff, their early projections, what they're getting from that early raw data. Uh, he is going to uh, let us know about all of that, so uh, you don't want to miss out. Uh, he is coming up here. No assembly call talk. We'll keep it with the uh, j- j- just with the bracketology. Don't you worry. Although he is not exactly uh, very... Not exactly very high on his uh, old uh, Hoosiers. He's not there. He's not there. That's all right. So we'll talk to him. He's coming up here less than 15 minutes. It's a great talk. You don't want to miss out on that. But we'll start out like we always do. It's need-to-know news time. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, very good basketball player, Zach Eady. I don't know if you've heard about him, but uh, he is the Big Ten Basketball Player of the Week. Second time this season. That makes eight total for his career. That is second all-time in Big Ten history behind Evan Turner, who won the award ten times. He's also named the NCAA March Madness Player of the Week, which is a thing, and the ESPN National Player of the Week. How did he get there? Well, uh, he took it to Alabama in his hometown of Toronto on Saturday, picking up 35 points, 7 rebounds. And let's not forget about the uh, measly 25 points and 12 rebounds in just 24 minutes against Iowa last Monday. Edie leads the country in scoring at 24.8 points per game, while adding 10.8 rebounds, 2.6 blocks, and 1.2 assists per game, all while he moved into 10th place all-time in scoring at Purdue. But hey... He's just tall, isn't that right? He gets refed unfairly. Please. I'm sure that all works into it there. Boilermaker Alliance, the Purdue Collective, took a big step forward uh, by naming David Neff its president and CEO. He'll be the first full-time leader dedicated to running the Alliance. That's the name, image, and likeness collective for Purdue. He will stay based in Indianapolis. He's a Heritage Christian High alum. Worked for Pacer Sports and Entertainment as well as Salesforce before this. Good luck. Man, you know my position on collectives. But it's not like I'm rooting for anybody to fail. I'm just saying, (laughs) I think this loophole's ridiculous. Congratulations to Marcus Freeman has uh, picked up his top quarterback target for Notre Dame. Uh, it's going to be Duke transfer Riley Leonard. He announced on social media he is committing to the Fighting Irish. Riley will be able to play immediately for the Irish. Hartman is out of eligibility. 
And of course, the Boilermakers will be taking on the Fighting Irish next season. Pacers last night, if you're looking for a hangover from the loss in Vegas in the uh, in-season tournament finale, uh, they were on par, right? I think they covered last or Maybe it was a, maybe they lost by a half point. Either way, Pacers roll 131 to 123 over the Pistons. Uh, Matherin, 30 points off the bench last night. Halliburton, 16 assists. If you're wondering about Jaden Ivey, he came off the bench. 18 points as well for him. Up in Milwaukee, Bulls go to OT with the Bucks, but can't break through. 133 to 129 that final. DeMar DeRozan, 41 points. Andre Drummond came off the bench for the Bulls. 14 minutes. Had 16 rebounds. That's crazy. What? I don't understand why the Bulls, uh, they're 1-2 and two against the Bucks, but all those games have been really contested. Sometimes teams have your number for whatever reason. Bulls get back to work, though, tonight. They're going to host Denver. 7.5-point dog at home are the Bulls. Also dogs tonight, the Blackhawks in action. Out in Edmonton, Oilers minus 360. Edmonton's won 7 in a row. Six of those wins cover the puck line. There you go. That is today's Need to Know News for this Tuesday, December the 12th. Dogs last night, man. Monday night football. Did we get worked over? Tyreek goes out, gets some texts from his wife, decides to go back in. Never really has it. Ugh. And then the Titans. How they do that, man? Just no clue. And then the Giants game. I told you. I said, look, I thought Miami was the better team. I thought they could cover, but I was nervous about a young team on the road. And sure enough, Jordan Love kind of wilted a little bit, didn't he? What a tremendous performance. But you know what? We don't dwell on that stuff. We look for more winning bets, and we're back at it tonight. This is such a slow week this week because we don't have uh, a whole lot of college basketball because you know everybody is uh, you know doing the finals week and stuff. There are two games in the Big Ten tonight, and I think we could target one of those games. Now, Alcorn State takes on Maryland. And that's a that's a big spread in that one. And Maryland, dead last in the net in the Big Ten. And you're counting on them to cover 21 and a half? Ugh. You matched uh, Alcorn State up with them. They only scored two more points a game, but State, oh my gosh, terrible defensively. They give up 85 points a game. But both these teams shooting horrendously, both at 40%. Alcorn State, the Braves on a seven-game losing streak. But it's not like they're, you know, they're the sacrificial lamb this time of year. I mean, they get destroyed. It's it's all road games for them. They played one home game. That's the only game that they have won. They're 0-8 on the road. Last five include losing at Michigan State, losing at TCU, losing at UTA, losing at Clemson, losing at VCU. But on the flip side, do you trust Maryland to do anything for you? Yeah, they've done good in some of these non-conference games. Look at the last three non-conference games that they had at home here. Uh, Demolishing Ryder, 103-76. Demolishing USA, was that Southern something, 68-55. Yeah, 
UMBC, they uh, waxed 92 to 68. And they're right there. If if they're not covering, they're right there. I still don't trust Maryland. I want to avoid that game tonight. I instead want to take a look at Minnesota taking on IUPUI. 23 and a half points here out of the Golden Gophers is what you're going to need to cover. And I, for one, am inclined to take it. IUPUI, terrible. They shoot 43%. They only average 65 points a game. They give up 77 points a game. Now, Minnesota is not exactly dominant in their own respect, but they're going to clean up the glass. They've got a clear advantage on the glass here tonight. And the one thing Minnesota has done is they've shown that against bad teams, they can put up points. They put up 170, or 102 to UTSA in their second game of the season. They put up 97 against New Orleans. And if you take a look at the Ken Palm metrics, IUPUI at their adjusted offense is 340, at their defense is 348. All below both those teams that I just read off to you. So I think Garcia's going to eat tonight, both on the glass and in the paint. I don't think they've got the, I just don't think IUPUI's got the dudes. They've lost their last three, 103 to 74 to Wright State. Wright State! They should be able to cover this. Now, Wright State isn't uh, the greatest team in the world. They're 131 in Ken Palm. But they do have a pretty darn good offense. They stink on defense. Pretty good on offense, though. And Minnesota's actually not that bad in the Ken Palm metrics. They just play slowly. But I think tonight against a poor IUPUI team, they're going to be able to pick up the pace. They're just outside the top 100 in adjusted offense. They're inside the 100 in adjusted defense. And we both know IUPUI doesn't exactly have the best track record of the last, I don't know, decade of putting together good teams and competing. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to lay the points tonight. The IUPUI team total was interesting because it was uh, 58 and a half. But I don't know that I trust you know Minnesota once they get off to uh, get their foot off the gas for that to get covered. And, you know, to be honest, with 58, 55, and 74, their last three games... I mean, they could backdoor that. That's such a low total that they could backdoor that. I'll go ahead and take Minnesota tonight. I'm not happy about it. I feel like that's a better spot than Maryland for you this evening. That's my play for this evening. We were so hot last week. We were due for the NFL to bite us in the rear end. That's exactly what did it. But wait, we're back at it tonight. And let's see if we can capitalize off of IUPY. The over-under is like 139. I might like that a little bit more. If it, Look, if Minnesota tells you they can put up 100 points, that might be the better play. Can I change it? Let's go to that. Never mind. Take me the uh, take me the over 139. If you're feeling dangerous, parlay that with uh, the cover. 
And uh, best of luck to you tonight. We're going to take a break. Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology is next. If you haven't heard of Delphi Bracketology, it's been one of the top bracketology clubs in the nation. And it's a bunch of Delphi high school students and teachers. Yeah. So we're talking about what's important when it comes to setting these brackets here, where we're at right now with the data, how the Big Ten looks, and how Purdue looks. We're going to talk to Brian next. Stick around. There's plenty more Hammer Down Show for you here on 1017 The Hammer. 101. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer. 1017TheHammer.com. We're back over to the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. We're going to bring in Brian Tonsoni. Uh, some of you Purdue fans might have heard of Sibley Call. Uh, he's on that, but we're not going to get into that just yet here with that IU stuff. We have pace ourselves. But what he does do is head up an, ex- an absolutely extraordinary group over at Delphi High School. It's called Delphi Bracketology. This is an after-school club uh, that meets and uh, just like your old chess club, right? Uh, but you guys, yep. Brian, you do bracketology. This is actually pretty cool, and you've been pretty darn successful at this. Tell me a little bit about Delphi Bracketology. Yeah, we've been doing this since 2015 where we get together and actually put the bracket together uh, before the games are played and try to predict what the teams that will be the number one seeds and the eight, nine seeds and who makes the tournament and who doesn't make the tournament. We've had, we won the, the challenge in 2016. We've had a, like three or four top 20s. Last year, we were in the middle of the pack but had our second best score overall as bracketology has caught on. And there's a lot more people uh, investigating it and looking at it. But we're a bunch of high school kids and, and teachers who meet uh, before school on Tuesdays. We we meet. Uh, we now have a class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Our school has a class um, that uh, meets. So we're going to be able to do even more work and maybe even better work uh, this year. So we talk basketball in school, analyze data and try to come up with the best predictions we possibly can. Yeah, this is a whole lot better than taking French, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so you guys, like I said, you, you've done a great job of these things over the years. Um, you guys also have the uh, show on ISC coming up as well, right? Yeah, starting uh, the second week in January, January 9th or 10th, I'll have to look at my calendar. We'll take our, our first in-studio show uh, where we talk uh, about our brackets and as where we see basketball. We also do a a live streaming YouTube uh, podcast that goes out on uh, all, all podcast po- platforms. We usually do that Thursday evening. We take that with our students and talk basketball. So if you're a basketball junkie and like to hear some of this, as well as the from the national guys, you want a local perspective, uh, please tune into our ISC work and, and our podcast. And, and we can be found at DelphiBracketology.com. We'll be putting out a lot of content starting uh, in January. Very, very good stuff. So, Brian, we want to kind of get into uh... – Kind of where Purdue is at and where the Big Ten is at. Uh, the Big Ten did not start out good this season in, in the non-conference. And you and I were kind of talking about this. Um, there's you, you think, based on looking at the data, and when we talk about the data, uh, you know, the net ranking is very big. I'm, I'm sure you guys use Ken Palm and a few other things, too. Kind of talk about the, the, the minefield that is the Big Ten this year. What kind of data points you're looking at to assess this stuff and uh, why you think the Big Ten might be in trouble this year? Yeah, it, it's, it's early and the data is raw. Uh, that's why we wait until mid-January to really put out a full bracket. But the non-conference matters for these uh, conferences. It matters for the Big Ten. You have to be successful against other leagues' best teams. And the Big Ten has taken a lot of hits short of the top three, uh, Purdue, uh, Illinois, um, Wisconsin have had some big wins, 
but the the rest of the league has really struggled. Indiana is 0 for 2 and getting blown out in their marquee games. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Maryland, teams that were thought to do well have lost some games. Iowa is in the middle of a big struggle. Those are teams that you used to be able to beat in conference and get a quality win, which is, we'll talk about all season, quad one and quad two. Those opportunities are going to be a lot lower unless things change in a hurry than they have been in the past when the Big Tens had eight, nine, and ten teams considered to go. So that means teams like Indiana, like Iowa, like Michigan, like Michigan State, who are low in this net rating, don't have a lot of opportunities to improve their cause. And so if they do get in, they're going to be a lot seated a lot lower. But I think we're looking at a, a, a five to six bid Big Ten, and that's abnormal because we're used to having eight or nine teams in the tournament. So there's really more landmines if you're Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and probably Northwestern as well. More landmines here as to where uh, you could be, uh, you know, towards the top of this league, lose to a uh, team in the middle part of the league and be okay, because that would probably still qualify, especially on the road, as a, as a quad one loss. But here, uh, as you pointed out, I mean, there's only, what, four teams in the top 35 in the net rankings right now in the Big Ten. I mean, losses are really, really going to affect your net ranking this year in Big Ten play. Yeah, it, it's going to affect your, your rating. And you got to play well. you got to beat teams you're better than. Uh, the offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. So there's always room for teams to grow. Uh, but Purdue's going to be fine. Purdue's sitting there with four quad one wins. Uh, they have a big opportunity against Arizona. But beating Alabama this week was good. Winning the, the Maui Classic, that's going to keep Purdue in the one and two seed line at worst, I think, all year long. But, uh, you know, if you beat an Indiana at home right now, that's a, a, a quad three win when usually beating an Indiana team would be at least a quad two win in Mackey. Yeah. Uh, so th- those are, I just bring those up because that's my team that's struggling with the net and your team that is uh, up there at number four overall in the net. But that would help Purdue solidify a one seed by beating teams like that at Mackey that were really good and winning games on the road against top 75 teams. Right now there are four teams that are hovering in the low 60s, high 70s that could drop out of the quality win you know, category really soon that teams like Purdue and Illinois that are at the top usually would then boost their resume by winning those games. So, yeah, there's some pitfalls for the top teams, and there are there are a lot fewer opportunities for those mid-range teams to, to get win. Northwestern really did a great job by beating Purdue because that win's going to be solid all year long. Uh, that Those types of wins are, are going to, you know, really help, help teams. So before uh, – Purdue's marked anyway because they're very good. Now it's going to be some of the few opportunities for teams to get those quality wins to make the NCAA tournament committee look at them. Oh, boy, that's just great news for us. We're talking to Brian Tonsoni <laughs> here from Delphi Bracketology on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. You were, you know, you, you mentioned because, you know, your part assembly call that uh, IU podcast, which is tremendous. But uh, you, we were talking about a 7-2 and Indiana team. They had a 2-0 and in conference play, but the net is all the way down at uh, 123, and they, you know, they got Kansas uh, coming up here uh, this weekend. So it's an opportunity, but, uh, boy, that's, uh, that, that's a tough hill to climb. You were saying you were running some numbers here to where they could have an extremely good Big Ten run, find themselves with a great record, and still be well on the outside looking in. Can, run through that scenario again for me. 
Yeah, reference. We're always going to reference this year when we call on the show the 2018 Nebraska Cornhuskers. They were fourth in the Big Ten with a 13 win, five loss team in the Big Ten, and did not get in the tournament because they beat all the teams below them and didn't beat many of the teams above them. So their Big Ten overall record looked good. They finished fourth in the league, and your Indiana's, uh, you know, your um, Iowa's. Even if they rebound, you can beat teams because the the conference is weaker now and beat teams below you and get 10, 11, 12, 13 wins in the Big Ten. But if they're not the quality, if you don't beat the Purdue's, the Illinois, the Ohio State, the Wisconsin's this year, those wins can really maybe not look good for uh, even, you know, for the committee, even though there's a volume of wins. So that, that's, that's going to be something to watch all year is where do these teams that are five through eight fall in the net? Uh, in order to be quality wins, they got to be 75 or above, depending on where you play them. And right now, there's only four. There's five teams in the top 50 that that would would count for these quality wins. And so there are ways. Like Indiana is seven and two and leading the conference right now, but they it's almost a must win. It was a, almost a must win against Auburn. It's almost a must win against Kansas. And that's a tough tough thing to look at when you're playing that good of a team, regardless of it being at home. The opportunities for quality wins are just going to be a lot lower for a lot of Big Ten teams. See, and you're not the one that makes the data here and the rules, but I still look, and they've done a better job at it this year, but I do remember a Houston team that was very high in the net ranking with just a large amount of quad three and quad four wins and not very many quad one games, and yet they still find themselves in the top five consistently because of the volume of wins they have. Now, they don't have the losses, which is one thing, but at the same time, we're talking about stacking wins. I got to think that uh, you know some of the the quality that Houston specifically last year played, and, I, and the committee docked them down a little bit for it. But still, that's one of the reasons why I don't like the net ranking that much. Yeah, and, and actually, uh, you're right that because you got to play against your opponent. If you play a weaker opponent, you got to win by a good margin. That helps your offensive efficiency and your defensive efficiency. A team like Indiana has won seven games, but they only once have they been above expected um, efficiency. So they've beaten Army and they've beaten the, those teams, but by single digits, when really they should be beating them by 15 or 20. Uh-huh. So the net does calculate how you play, which I like. And then one of these shows, we should go back and look at the RPI the way it used to be. And the teams in the top 30 are not nearly as accurate as the net. The net is actually more accurate, even though it has its flaws. And, and I think it still needs to be tweaked to be a perfect metric but boy the top 30 in the rpi has some teams that i don't think have any business being in the top 30 so this is a better metric overall i would argue even though there are some ways to scheme it but the reason houston without a lot of quad one wins got in because they played really great competition and they they beat the they beat the teams they should have by the right margins that's another thing that fans of teams need to look at it's not about just the win anymore you've got to win by the right margins against who you're playing. And too many Big Ten teams have suffered in that area. Before I let you go here, Brian, I do want to ask about one other uh, team in the state here that's uh, been making some noise, and they're up to the 12th spot in the net rankings, although they are 0-1 in quad one, but still a uh, fun team that people are starting to gravitate to, Indiana State. So they're sitting at 12 there. Um, obviously, they'll go into that uh, that MVC uh, schedule and it's not going to offer a ton of quad one uh, opportunities, quality win opportunities. 
What can fans expect from somebody out of Indiana State if they can continue on the trajectory that they're on? Uh, what do you feel like is an accurate place to put them now? Maybe what's their ceiling, you think? Yeah, I think they have an outside, a slim outside chance to make the tournament if they don't win the Missouri Valley. You look at FAU last year, that was high in the net, and they won their conference tourney, so they had the automatic qualifying spot. But a lot of people were going to put them in or thought they would be in if they got upset in their tournament. Indiana State almost has to run the table. They have a big game at Michigan State that will do wonders for uh, their resume. But they're doing exactly what we just got done talking about. They're beating people. They're beating people on the road, and they're beating them by bigger margins than expected. They went into Northern Illinois and won 90-67. to 67. That wasn't just a good road win. That's a quad two win, a, a good win. But it's a good win by 23 points. So their offensive efficiency has been out of this world. Their defensive efficiency has been good. And their strength of schedule is, is really decent um, so at, at 130 for that kind of mid-major. I still think it's hard for mid-majors. That's one of my complaints about the net is that it doesn't afford good quality teams from like the Missouri Valley is really good basketball. That the second best team in there, if they get beat in the championship game, should be in instead of the ninth team from the ACC or the, the Big 12. But a team like Indiana State, they keep winning and they keep winning by good margins. They will make the committee have to look at them uh, if they don't automatically qualify. The Sycamores are a great team uh, to watch. I'm rooting for them. Uh, they're at a position right now, if they stay in the top 20 or 30, they have a chance of making it as an at-large. Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology. Make sure you give them a follow on Twitter. Give them the website one more time that they can go and they can uh, see the videos and uh, get all yeah. the info on you guys one more time. We'll, we'll really be cooking in January with an updated bracket once or twice a week at DelphiBracketology.com. Uh, we do post all our podcasts, a video replay, and an audio on there as well. So you can find all of our information on that Twitter. It's at, at Delphi or at the X. It's at Delphi Brackets. And uh, my personal account is at Sony42, but you Purdue fans probably don't want to follow that. That's heavy IU stuff. <laughs> well, uh, we got to tell somebody they're wrong every now and then. So uh, I'll, keep it on, I'll keep it on quick there for you. Hey, thank you, Brian, so much. Delphi Bracketology, again, they're great. We'll have them on all during the uh, winter as well. Keeping you updated because I like the unbiased approach that these kids have to it. You're going to love it as well. Check out the website. Brian, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thanks. We'll talk. Big thank you to Brian Tonsoni there on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselides. Thank you for making me a part of your Tuesday. Uh, yeah, just great talk with him. Uh, the the points that he was making about the uh, the Big Ten, like I we talked about, they were not good in the non conference, but we said that we thought that they would be getting better once they hit league play, and you felt like some of these teams too that you kind of had left uh, for dead, maybe had started to resurrect themselves a little bit, maybe had started to figure it out a little. But Brian's here to tell you that uh, that might not be, uh, that might be an issue. They were so bad in the non-conference slate that it might not matter. I w- I was kind of blown away by that because I didn't realize it was that bad. 
But you take a look at where they're at in the net rankings, and I know we kind of alluded to it. But you look at where they're at in the net rankings here. Purdue sits atop at four. Illinois, Wisconsin, who you know you both like, 18 and 19. Ohio State's in there at 34, and then Northwestern hanging on to quality status there at 46. But you look at where the rest of the conference is right now. You know, Iowa with uh, that loss the other night, uh, now 0-4 in quad one and sitting at 65. They don't even have a quad two win. They're 0-1 in quad two. Michigan's right behind them at 66. They're 2-2 two two in quad one. They're 0-1 in quad two. Nebraska, who's 8-2 on the year, is 0-1 is, is in their quad one games. Rutgers has looked bad. They're sitting at 77th. Michigan State, who everybody's just waiting for them to rebound, and they usually tend to figure it out here late December, early January. But they're 0-5 in quad one. They sit at 83. They're 4-5 and and aren't really showing any signs of life. And then in the hundreds, Minnesota, Indiana. Look, Minnesota seven and three. They're zero and two in quad one. Indiana is at one twenty three. They are one and two in quad one. No quad two games for them. Then Penn State, Maryland. It is what it is. They're five hundred teams. We didn't expect it, but I thought it was crazy to listen to Brian talk about you know a seven two Indiana team. They could end up going, they could go 13 and 5 and end up like that Nebraska team that he brought up and not even make the tournament. Now, I don't think they're going to make that kind of a run. I think they're getting a little bit better. I don't think they're getting that much better. And take a look at, you know, who they played. What, it was uh, Maryland, right? They got Maryland to get to 1 and 0, and then that road win against Michigan was. Hey, that wasn't too bad. But Michigan is a 500 team. But it does reinforce, you know, that talk kind of where we thought the tiers were in the Big Ten when we talked about this last week. I contended I thought Illinois was the second best team, but there is a tier with Illinois, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Northwestern kind of hanging out in that tier. I need a little bit more to completely move Ohio State Northwestern in there with Illinois and Wisconsin. There may be a line of demarcation there, but it's uh, it's blurry. But both those teams could be in there. But as Brian pointed out here, it seems like outside of those five, everything else is kind of inconsequential. Iowa may be saved by the amount of quad one games they play, but the way they play defense, it's hard to see them making a run in Big Ten play um, and still coming out and, and beating, you know, they're going to have to beat Wisconsin, Ohio State, Northwestern. Because as Brian pointed out to you there, stacking up wins against Rutgers, Michigan, Penn State, Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska aren't going to do a darn thing for you. And, you know, Iowa, you take a look at what they have in the Big Ten schedule there. They do get Purdue once. 
once more, sorry. Uh, they will get Ohio State once. They will get Illinois twice. They get Northwestern once and Wisconsin once. And there comes now the new minefield for the top part of the Big Ten. And one of the great things about Purdue playing the schedule that they have in this non-conference is if you lose to one of these middling teams in the Big Ten, huge landmine for almost everybody else because they've been so bad in the non-conference. But Purdue, the way they played in the non-conference, who they've played, and the amount that they continue to win by will make some of these landmines a little bit more manageable. But there's no doubt losing to Minnesota, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan, Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan State, and Indiana will be a lot more hurtful than it usually is. And two teams I think that still kind of concern you as a Purdue fan in those scenarios, Indiana, who you know will be all out for both those games, and Michigan State as well. You're always going to get everybody's best shot when you've got that high ranking. But you're dealing with two teams that have some talent that just do not play well right now and don't have it together. Michigan State more talent, so to speak, than probably Indiana right now, but I still have some hopes that Indiana will probably be a little bit better uh, in conference play. Either way, if I gave you a choice between playing Indiana or Maryland, or Penn State, you'd choose one of those other teams than Indiana, right? I mean, just gets ratcheted up in that rivalry. Guys who normally don't play well, hey, they, they're dialed in for one game. It's a scary place to be at right now. Facing an Indiana team that probably won't have a whole I mean, I don't want to say have a whole lot to lose because if they don't win that game, uh, if they don't at least split those games against Purdue, as Brian told you here, they're not looking at making it into the tournament, no matter how well they do. Stacking up the wins against the bottom tier here is not going to help you whatsoever. So, essentially marked here in Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Ohio State right now. Northwestern's right there as well. But if any of those other teams dream of making any kind of run and getting into the NCAA tournament, you're going to have to have a winning record against those four or five teams to give yourself a shot to make it into the NCAA tournament. And it always stinks getting every bad team's best shot and having them play out of themselves for that one game against you when they can barely beat the second or third worst team in the conference. We're going to take our last break. We'll come back. We'll uh, get some things we may have missed and wrap up the Hammer Down show next on 1017 The Hammer. 1017. Welcome back to the Hammer Down show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I was just looking, I was on Twitter here, just uh, tracking down a few things here before we wrap up. And the Purdue Exponent has this tweet. It's very nice. It's Purdue's first lady. Um, and she's handing out cookies, right? She's uh, out there. Uh, can't quite. I can't make out the building behind her. I think she's over by the bell tower, but I can't quite tell. Anyway, um, she's handing out cookies, and it says, 
Purdue's first lady passes out cookies to cheer up students during finals week. <laughs> I just love the sentiment. Here you go. Here's a cookie. Don't frown during finals week. It's not as bad as you think it's going to be. <laughs> well, you don't show up to class all semester. Probably is going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. But here's a cookie. Cheer up. Like, I- I'm not dogging her. It's the, it's the exponents. Uh, it's just the exponents. Like, here, cheer up, kid. <laughs> It's good stuff. All right, let's get into uh, some of the things that we may have missed uh, for today. Uh, girls High School hoops tonight. Uh, we got some uh, matchups here going on uh, within the uh, city. Faith is over at uh, Central Catholic tonight. Uh, McCutcheon Girls Basketball heads over to Crawley to take on the Jet Broncos. And West Lafayette hits the road. They are taking on North Montgomery uh, that is girls' high school hoops here for tonight. Uh, also, I do want to congratulate Dion Burks. He is uh, going to take his uh, career over to Oklahoma. He said he was one of the top wide receivers in the transfer portal. And if you are a Purdue fan, you got to be happy. Be happy for him. Would you like him to have stayed? Yes. You feel like, hey, maybe we could have found a spot here and made that work. Uh, it doesn't work out. Uh, it goes back to this NIL stuff in the portal and coaches complaining about, you know, the costs of all this. I am not going to fault one of the kids for taking the money. They are offering it. You don't know how long you got in this thing. That's more money than you've ever seen in your life, more than likely. I do not fault the kids for taking the offer. I don't tweet at them saying, where's your loyalty? What about this and that? No, because if you were in the same scenario, you'd take the money. So I don't fault kids when they take the money. I fault the adults who fought hard to find loopholes to treat this like a free agency. Who, you don't like it that they ask for money just to come to the official visits? Don't blame the kids again. Blame the adults who decided that they were willing to pay that stuff out to get the kid on campus. I know, this is not what we thought name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. But what, this was the the, the Longhorns figured this out? Weren't they the first ones to do it and they paid that uh, offensive line? I blame the adults. I, I can't blame kids who have been making you know minimum wage and stuff at their jobs all through high school. And somebody says, here's a check, there's six digits on it. If you come here... I don't blame them for taking it, and you shouldn't either. It's not about loyalty. If everybody else treats it like a business, how do you expect these kids to not treat it like a business? It stinks. I agree with you. It stinks for you as the fan. It does not stink for them, the players. Somebody was offering you more money, you'd leave your job, wouldn't you? You're there 20 years. What if I double your salary? 
would have your attention, wouldn't it? It's the way it works. And then finally, what's going on with the New England Patriots? And I know you Colts fans, mainly NFL fans in general, have no problem with watching the fall of Bill Belichick and the Patriots dynasty. I, I get it. They just let Malik Cunningham uh, slip away from him. He signed a deal off of the practice squad to jump over to the Baltimore Ravens. Not a bad time to do that. Meanwhile, uh, they've been rolling with Billy Zappi and Mac Jones. And that's worked out for them how? Now, maybe it is a tanking thing. I, I don't know. But they've really leaned into this. You know, there's so many sports cor- cur- curses, right? We talk about the uh, Sports Illustrated cover, right? There, You're on the cover of Madden. Yeah, that's going to get you right there, too, right? There's the Drake curse. Well, I saw a lot of Purdue fans. Where's Drake at? Why Drake at the game? Drake should be repping an Edie jersey. No. Dude's a walking curse. Now, I don't know if this is a curse, but I feel like this is tempting the wrong person. Billy Zappi says, no fan of Taylor Swift as they face Kansas City this week. Got asked by a Boston radio show, you Taylor Swift fan? No, ma'am. Emphatic. Just say yes and move on. Why? Why? Why tempt that woman? She's crushing it. Why antagonize those legion of fans? What is this guy thinking? You're an NFL quarterback. You should be smarter than this. Why invite that? Just say yes and move on. Like, oh, no, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's fine. No problem. Moving on. Just do it. Be like, uh, remember Office Space? Michael Bolton? And the uh, consultants are like, which one's your favorite song? I just like all of them, I guess. Boom. Just move on. Don't tempt fate. They're really leaning into this tanking thing, aren't they? That does it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. We're back tomorrow, 3 o'clock. We're spending an hour talking local sports with you here on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I'll